Welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast, where two generations of owls, Michael the dad, me, and Hank the son, discuss the latest in movies, plays, books, video games, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Owl, and I am here with... Hank Owl. Hank, what are we talking about today? Um, well, later on, we're going to be talking about I'm Thinking of Ending Things, the new Charlie Kaufman movie that came out two weeks ago. I think about two weeks ago, maybe exactly the time which we were recording this on Netflix. But before this, we're going to do a new segment called Trailer of the Week or Trailer Talk or whatever. Or we're going to talk about a trailer that came out. That's the point. Um, Excellent. What is this week's trailer? Uh, the trailer for this week is a very exciting trailer that I feel like everyone, at least in the communities I'm a part of, was like really really crossing their fingers waiting for. And actually, the day this came out, I, I saw a meme like, wait, no, no Mandalorian trailer. Like, if they're not doing it today, they're not doing it ever. Where is it? So, and it actually came out. They, did, they posted that before the trailer came out. Oh, why did so, they say it would be that day or no one or no other day? Well, because they just they've been waiting for like months. Like it's coming. There was news that it would come out last month, and they're like, "Where is it? Where was oh, it?" Oh, okay. I didn't realize this was delayed. Oh, that's interesting. So they were, they were like, "Well, come on, guys. We're like two months. We're like a month away. Where, where is it?" Right. Uh, but the trailer is the first trailer for the Mandalorian season two. And what did you think? I was really, really excited. There's not uh, honestly, I was a little bit. I was expecting a little bit more, like reveal wise, because we have this news that like Boba Fett's gonna be in it, and Ahsoka Tano's, who's a, an important character in the Star Wars animated universe, or not the. It's the same thing as the Star Wars universe, but it's animated. The, the animated shows um, would be in it, and I was expecting to maybe see some of them, but I guess they're maybe they're keeping that until the show comes out because part of what got a lot of people to watch the Mandalorian was uh was baby Yoda how like the people that saw the first episode was like this is crazy what what's this baby Yoda doing there and they're like I should watch that I kind of liked Star Wars I'm interested to see where this goes so I think they're going to do that with Boba Fett so that's probably why they were saving it so it would get the same kind of you know Twitter buzz and get people talking about it yeah, and people sense. were like oh that's crazy uh Boba Fett um yeah, I'll buy that but so, I was really excited just by the feel of it, the music, Lud- Ludwig Gorosans. I sounds good to me. Probably butchered it. <laughs> uh, score was uh, I mean, it just sounds so good. Seeing Tatooine again, I think it's Tatooine because I think Tatooine's the only. I'm we're casual Star Wars fans. We don't know much about anything really, but I think Tatooine is the only planet to have sand people yeah i was wondering that like it i mean i think we were safe in just you know saying that that's probably the case you know and so the, that's probably tatooine and it looked like we saw some more like republic ships like the x-wings and we saw some more tie fighters i really hope we do more empire stuff but it was really i mean obviously i'm gonna give this if we're giving these trailers thumbs up or thumbs down i'm gonna give it a thumbs up because it did what it was supposed to do it got me really excited but I kind of wish we saw more. Like, we did not see any of uh, Grand Moth Gideon, who was the main villain of last season, who was revealed to have the Darksaber at the end of that, played by Giancarlo Esposito. So, I was just... It really gets me excited that, like, this was so good 
and it didn't even like reveal the stuff that everyone's excited to see. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I agree, hundred percent. I, I absolutely loved it. As you mentioned the Tie Fighters. I loved seeing the Tie Fighters, like the the wings kind of move to where it ended up getting into like either you know ready to fly or ready to not fly or whatever it was. But that was cool seeing that. And the opening shot, you're right with the music. You know, the opening shot is this again, the beautiful space, beautiful planets. You know, very that whole Star Wars opening that you know happens in all of them, really. Uh, and then the ship, you know, comes in and it's clearly like you know hurting. Uh, yeah, I'm just so excited and I was so relieved. And not that they were going to do this because they they're smart people, but I'm just so happy that like Baby Yoda is not like you know preteen Yoda or something you know that we didn't like skip like, like Groot no I think it takes I, th- I heard somewhere that like this takes place very recently after uh, oh that would make sense I mean enough for the one guy to grow a beard but <laughs> <laughs> but like it's not like years afterward yeah and I, I you know I didn't really think they were going to do that but that that's you know that was the fear like we're gonna miss out on but baby Yoda was just as cute uh maybe even more so uh, it just, yeah, it looks awesome. I'm I'm terribly excited. It's a lot to live up to what they did in the first season, but I you know I think they will. I totally think they will. Yeah. And the trailer was beautiful. Oh yeah. Got me terribly excited. And like it's it's soon too. End of October is that right? It's October thirtieth. Yeah. Oh. That's exciting. That's, that's really really exciting. That's... Well, that's an excellent way to start the trailer of the week segment. I think with the Mandalorian season the Mandalorian two trailer. Mandalorian season two. Yeah. Awesome. Um. So I think we're ready to move on to our to our main topic, which I already discussed, was I'm thinking of ending things. I'm thinking of ending things is written and directed by Charlie Kaufman, based on the book of the same name by Ian Reed. It stars Jesse Plemons, Jesse Buckley, Tony Collette, and David Thewlis. It is Full of misgivings, a young woman travels with her new boyfriend to his parents' secluded farm. Upon arriving, she comes to question everything she thought she knew about him and herself. I guess I'll start out with what I enjoyed about this movie. Uh, The first thing that you'll notice, like, 20 minutes into it, is it's very trippy. I don't even know if trippy's the right word, but it's really weird, and that's one of the things I enjoyed about it. It leaves a lot up to interpretation it really makes you think it doesn't really give you any of the answers it really gets you're very your brain is very active while watching this movie it makes you think about like concepts like youth and death and at the end of the movie you're not really sure exactly what happened or what you just watched but all you're thinking is like i really enjoyed that and i really want to see that again and i really yeah it's it it makes you feel that way. Some some audiences, some people may find it, may dislike it for that reason, for its weirdness and its non not following traditional structure rules. But um, I just that's that's just me. I enjoy that one. Another thing that goes along with it is it it takes a lot takes place and a lot of it is in different characters heads and is about kind of being in your head it's about a whole bunch of things and it's actually it's really it's about whatever you interpret it as <laughs> right but um it's about kind of being in your head and i enjoyed that part of it that it felt personal it felt like we were really getting a slice of these character of 
these characters' lives and their feelings and Charlie Kaufman's life and feelings in that way. Um, man, when we get to know we get to know our two main characters, Jesse Plemons and Jesse Buckley, we feel like we're getting to know real people, and that speaks to Charlie Kaufman's style of writing and his quality of writing and that's really as a person who wants to be a screenwriter when i grow up i was looking at that and like i like that i like that that's cool that's fun um the second thing is the acting they're all everyone's so very good i i talked about this before and i think i talked about this with internal sunshine and spotless mind another movie written by charlie kaufman and how everyone feels so incredibly human and real, and really a lot of that is the quality of the acting that goes into it. Jesse Plemons, uh, the male lead, the boyfriend, does a really great job, and in a way, in a kind of confusing way, in a kind of plain way, I guess you never really know what he's what he's thinking. Like you never, you can't really tell what's going on in his head, and you you wish to, and that speak that's. He does a very good job of conveying that. Jesse Buckley really it does an amazing job again in behaving like a real human being, uh, while having to like have this character tackle these different thoughts and these weird situations. So I think that's really great in how she still maintains humanity while all these trippy, weird stuff is going on. Um, Tony Collette does a very good job of having this distinct personality where like it's somebody who often says things that they probably shouldn't be saying and but they say it because they shouldn't be saying it like it's really gets that motherly vibe in that way like my job is to embarrass my kid way and that's i don't know that's that's, an, that's another thing that you can be like oh i've seen that in real people a lot that isn't this isn't a movie a movie person, this is a real person that happens to be in a movie. Um, thirdly, and this is kind of the major thing, I guess, for me, is that the visuals are so interesting. The uh, Charlie Kaufman does, he does a lot of different interesting camera angles that really gets you invested in not only what's going on in the story, but how it looks while he's doing it and brings up this certain feel. I forget the name of the cinematographer, but he does a really good job, and I really, I don't know enough about movies to know what this means, but he uses a boxy aspect ratio, where, like, you'll notice that, I mean, it looks, it's in a box, so it kind of makes you feel claustrophobic, and that goes into, like, you feel anxious during this movie, and you're supposed to feel anxious, but it does a good job of ne really never letting you know why you feel anxious, and just, it sets up these scenes and these shots in a way where you're just like, ah, something's not right here. Please tell me what's not right here. And it never lets you know. And I guess that's really what I enjoyed about it. This kind of, this, myster this mysterious vibe to it that really, again, it makes you think. It makes you feel a certain way. And just the acting is really good while doing it. Um, one of the things I don't like, and this goes into made a sequence this movie kind of takes place in a car and a house. The house parts are kind of my least favorite. Um, when we're kind of meeting the parents for the first time, a lot of we're playing with time a little bit, and we're and just things 
I guess because anxiousness things feel weird and at some points then I found myself wishing that just something something would be a little straightforward <laughs> like can can everything not be like metaphorical nonsense for a second can something can I get something normal please and it doesn't let you get normal which I think helps for the overall feel of the movie but at that time I was just like please do something normal stop being strange yeah this is weirding <laughs> me out which is the feeling you're supposed to get, but it it annoyed me at the time. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Uh, so I, I I agree on some of the things that so you liked. I liked as well. Uh, the mood and the tone, I think especially like I really really enjoyed. And I it, it, I think trippy might be is a good word to 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 put on part of that. And the other words would be like ominous. Um, just a feeling, a kind of claustrophobic feeling, which you had mentioned. Um, you just, there's something going on. And, and because of the structure of the film, and we won't get into spoilers just yet, uh, but you have, you do have that long car ride at the beginning. And that's, that's not a spoiler. That's pretty much mentioned in every single thing. But because of that long kind of period of just in one thing, you're kind of waiting for something to happen because it's conversation and you're into the conversation. But, you know, normally in movies, and narrative stories of any kind, you know, you have a long car ride. The, the car ride is usually not the the thing itself that drives the story forward. You usually have the car taking you to places where things happen that drive the story forward, and then you go to another place. And yes, there's things in the car, but we're in the car for so long that it just creates this tension. I think with the boxy aspect ratio, like you're talking about, again, it's this claustrophobic feeling. The music is in in, in enigmatic. And, um, but it has a tone of, of just, you know, evil portent, perhaps, you know, it just creates this, this structure and it creates this fabric of unease, at least it did with me. Um, and I really liked it, uh, that aspect of it immediately. Also with, I guess, some of the tone and with the structure and the dialogue, you have, um, Without going to spoilers, but you have some inconsistencies within some of the character development that makes you kind of perks you up a little bit. It makes you question exactly what's going on. You kind of you don't really understand how the logic flows. It's almost like a dreamlike kind of logic during parts of it, and it's I, I love that and dig that. So I, I kind of like that a lot, uh, and I too agree with the acting. Both Jesse's were were great, and Jesse Plemons. I think you've said it well. You can't really tell what's going on with him, but you want to know. You know, he's just kind of, you just kind of want to know what's going on there. When he gives a look, you're not positive what he's thinking or feeling, but you, you, you definitely want to know more. And Jesse Buckley was excellent, you know, in all kind of ranges that, you know, she had to go through, which was a lot. Uh, so I agree the acting was amazing. David Thulis I thought was great. Tony Collette was a standout for me because um, uh, she was able to be a real person, but within a style, I thought. You know, she had some of the stylistic acting going on, but it was completely grounded and real. And, you know, pretty mesmerizing to watch. Uh, and, and, I, and, I, and I take note, and I think of her, I also take note of what you, what you were just saying with uh, wanting something firm to grasp hold of, you know, at some point. And I kind of felt like that with her. I just wanted, I want some realness for a little while. Uh, but I thought the acting was amazing. And the third thing I really liked about it is that I really didn't understand the movie. You know, I have, I had ideas going through and I was just along for the ride. 
but it's not a movie that spells out exactly what it's about or exactly what happened specifically. You can't, you know, at least upon a, a first viewing, I think most people would be very uh, would struggle to and give you like the plot synopsis in two or three sentences that would actually you know do a justification to the thing. So I liked I liked the movie a lot, but it's you know. It is Charlie Kaufman. You know, it definitely has, like, the elements that, have, um, that he likes to play with. You know, we can talk about that more in a, in a, in a little bit. Um, ironically, on one of the things I would say that I... No, I don't know. That's, that's probably trying to stop there. That's probably good. Um, are there things other than what you just mentioned, like, that, that you didn't like about the movie? No, I think that's really it. I think what you were trying to go into a little bit at the end, but uh, decided not to, is again the the not really understanding the movie. And at at one point, I really enjoy that. It sparks debate. I want to watch this movie with every person I can find, just so I can see what they think about it. Because it for it's going to be different for every single person, and it's amazing how it does that. But also, at some points, you're kind of thinking. I wish some part, some parts of this. Can I just like get a little, get a little stable ground? Give me something to know, not something to think. And all this movie gives you is stuff to think. And I was, risk, I really wish. I, at some points, I wish I could just be like, I can grab onto that. I understand that. That is real. That is true. I don't have to think about that in any which way. That is what the movie wants me to think, and the just. And never really happens. Right. I like how it lays out, there, there are different kind of, I would say, signposts or clues in the movie, both visually and narratively, uh, where you think, where like there are ideas thrown out there where you can be like, oh, well, it could be this. This could be what's going on. No, that's what's going on. And it never, uh, it never narrows it down like to two. You know, which I think a lot of movies do to where at the end you're like, oh, well, that's what happened. Or, ooh, it could have been that. And you kind of just have those two things to play with. This one really doesn't narrow it down to two. There's there's so much going on that is open to interpretation that you really... uh, You really can just just kind of almost, you know, posit whatever theory you want and if you argue it well it'd be hard for somebody to say that no that's that's not the case and i think that's probably what what he intended you know i think he's he's one of those that i think generally is here's the movie here's my art you know you take it in you look at it you examine it you feel it you decide what it means to you and whatever that is that's okay that's kind of a good place to be i think as a as a creator to be honest with you yes um, should we talk a little bit more in depth now and go into some spoilers, or let's give it a let's give it a grade first. Let's give it a little ranking. I'll do um I'll do number not not sorry I meant letter grade. <laughs> yeah, all right, cool. uh, for this, I think I'll give it an A minus. Okay, do you want to talk a little bit why it's an A versus a B, or why it's a minus versus a plus, or? I think, one, it's an A, because I think A is, like, in words means I love it. And I definitely do love this movie. I, But it's the reason it can't get to an A or an A+, plus is just that I'm still 
just a little confused. Like with other movies, like I really like that because I enjoyed the story. And for this, it's like, I really like that because I'm confused and my interpretation of it is good. But like, I kind of, it can't really get there for me because it doesn't give me everything I need story-wise and information-wise. So it's just kind of, it's definitely, it's kind of an anomaly compared to like other stuff I would list as A's and just I don't feel comfortable like putting it next to like Citizen Kane on my like A list of things. Right. So I got just like this I respect this but I cannot put it any higher than an A minus in a good conscience without like feeling bad for other movies for being normal. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. I'm going to go a little bit lower than than you on the grade, but I think I think my sentiment is probably around the same. I'm going to give it a you know just a, a solid B, but a solid B that says, you know, I really liked it, and you should you should go see it and see if you like it too. Uh, if you're listening to this and, and unsure about if, if you want to take the dive or not, um, again, I like I really enjoyed watching all of it. You know, while I was along for the ride. I did have those moments like yourself of like wanting something a little firm to hold on to for a little bit, but uh, it was a very pleasurable experience and, and I didn't know anything about it going into it too. So that was kind of, that was kind of fun too. So I was just, you know, all right, let's see what happens. Charlie Kaufman. Let's, let's see what you're going to do. I think um, um, I, I did have a little bit of information going into it. Not a lot. All I really knew is that I should pay attention to detail. And I think that helps. Great note. If you know that when going to movie, because there's like, a whole sequence that like is completely unrecognizable and understandable if you don't see like this book in the back of the room and like so you should pay attention to little stuff like that yeah to help you kind of get a better sense of uh, I don't even want to say the story Kaufman wants to tell because I'm not quite sure what it <laughs> yeah, is right 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 but it gives you information on one of the stories that you could tell yeah. By seeing this movie. And honestly, like, I think it's really interesting. Just, I wish someone could watch this movie for me like a hundred times and give me a frame by frame rundown of exactly what happens and what ways you could think. But the movie, it talks about this in the movie how, like, how, like, we, our minds kind of, our minds' perception and change the media we consume. And I think that's just really interesting that we can talk about that while making a movie that like oh that only is your perception of it. That's that's a really good point. That's really a really good point. Really, that's really it's just you get res- respect to this movie and everyone involved in it. Yeah, and I th- and I think it's a B for me versus a B plus because because. <laughs> funny because i just i wanted a little bit more i wanted to have a little bit more of a clue of what was going on and not in a spoon-fed way by any means i don't need all the answers but i wanted to personally have more uh, more confidence in the various theories i had oh yeah which i couldn't seem really to make any work afterwards and i think you know we talked a little bit about it after we watched the movie but maybe we can watch one of the or all of the 40 million this movie explained videos. Right, but I would not YouTube. suggest any don't I wouldn't suggest watching them before you see them. Oh, no. Go in no. go in 
I mean, hopefully we've done a decent job of not giving any spoilers and not telling you too much. But go in as blind as possible if you're listening to this and get on the fence. It is worth watching. Um, but yeah, at the end, I think that's. I think instead of a B plus, it's a B because I wanted to feel a little more secure in what I thought had happened. Um, so, you know what this kind of reminds yeah. me of is kind of like an anti to the reaction to is hereditary. Like, just in the way that it ended this movie, like, it was still that kind of feeling of, I'm not really sure exactly what happened. But, like, for that movie, it was more of a mystery. Like, the more times you see it, or the more you pay attention, you could actually piece together what actually happens. But for this movie, you don't know, and it's a mystery to find out what you think could have happened. So I think that that's a, that would remind me of hereditary while watching it yeah i hear that and i think hereditary might be the model for if this movie was a b plus it might have included just a little more information to where at the end you know you figure it out and this one you know i didn't feel like i figured out much um because it's you know charlie kaufman and it does you know do dreamlike things and it does go there it goes out there you know, in a, in a, in a very interesting way. Yeah, I think that's. I think we did a pretty good job explaining that. We're uh, so we're gonna head into spoiler territory a little bit now, right? Yeah, we're gonna go. If you haven't seen the movie, go see the movie, <laughs> and then come now. listen to the rest of the podcast now, and then listen to the rest of it. I'm really excited for the debate we're about to have. Yeah. All right, so I think what I said to you after the movie ended was that, and I maybe I knew it was based on a book then, or maybe you told me then, I was like, oh, wow, so I really want to know what happened in the book because so, I want to know what happened in the movie. Because, you know, books, I mean, they can, they can still be very ambiguous, but I figured that would give me some clues as to what was actually going on. Um, From what I am aware of, the book... And this is, may have been what I think I saw in the interview. This is what brought Charlie Kaufman to the book and to buy the rights to it is that it was very dreamlike. He was like, because at the time he was reading, he was reading to find a book he could make it do a movie. And so he was like, oh, this is very me. How cool is that to find a book where you, that's that, like, that's your, that's your gut reaction. Like, I don't know if he thought less, but like this person might be a fan of my movies. <laughs> well, hopefully you didn't think Or maybe that, not but that, like, but like this person like this, this person is on the same wavelength as me. Exactly. And they're drinking the same water or Kool-Aid or whatever. Yeah. Um, so what did you think was going on as you're watching the movie? I, my interpretation of it at the end was that it was in the janitor's head. All of the movie, except for the little bits of the janitor we get to see, is all in the janitor's head. I think the boyfriend, Jake, I think his name is, is supposed to be a version of him. The parents are supposed to be a version of his parents, and the girl is supposed to be this dream version of the girl. That's why he, he can never really decide on a name. That's why like the parents, like the elderly parents, are portrayed so, I don't want to say pitifully, but this is like him kind of like stabbing at his own age, being mad at him getting older. And you see how he's, throughout the movie, 
Jake or younger in his mind him. He gets he gets angrier and madder, and I think that's him getting angrier at his current state. He goes from in the beginning, maybe talking about different things, maybe in a more subjective way, or not. I, I don't know, but like at the around the end of the movie, he starts getting more all these things that were done to me, like how my parents affected my life, how the media I consumed affected my life, how my perceptions affected my life, and he's a little bit more more angry at that, and I guess at the end of the movie, with like the pig and the commercial and the trippy sequence, where we actually, the dancing sequence, is him more coming to terms with like, alright, maybe getting some some clarity when it comes to his death, and I that felt very good, I felt very calm inside at the end of that, even though it was scary and there was dead pig that sounds like the that comedian. I don't remember his name. <laughs> I um I didn't get that far with my analysis. I mean I thought I thought and I think I was definitely influenced by the Black Mirror episode where Jesse Plemons was in that that was the one the where it's you know Star Trek esque kind of scenario but in that one and spoiler for the black mirror episode that he's in right now. So, you know, if you haven't seen that and want to do it cold, you know, try to don't listen to this part for a second, three, two, one. But in that he is controlling the kind of the universe around him. And like, he is almost like the designer of the game or or dungeon master or that type of situation. And that's kind of what I thought we had here. I didn't get the thematic element that you mentioned just a second ago about the media that we consume really and how, how that influences us. I, I picked up on the clues that make you say that, like the Pauline Kale, the other references is a movie poster, right? I think there's other books. Uh, music. They re- he references, he brings up a lot of different poems. Poems, poetry. There's a poetry collection in that in those books. So I got those as clues to something. The, the I mean, Robert I knew they Zemeckis were... Movie. Yeah, the Bob Zemeckis movie, yeah. So I got I got they were significant, Bob, to me. Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we have a running joke where he always calls Robert Zemeckis Bob Zemeckis, and I'm like, like you know him, I have, like it, your friends, you know, you know my good, you know my good pal, oh Bobby Zemeckis. I don't always call him that. I've so I would did I, it like twice. <laughs> so I don't I'll know why. The end of it. What goes into my brain where I'm like, no, you call him more impersonally. You, he's Mister Zemeckis to you. You don't know him. You don't get to call him Bob. All right. At any rate, <laughs> so I, I picked up on those clues, but to me they were evidence then of. Well, I guess of actually what it ends up we think being, where he really is creating this girl in her mind. But why I kept rejecting that, and maybe we should have talked about this earlier, is that the movie is from the point of view of the young girl, and that's what she's credited as in the you know as as her as her character name. It's her you know internal monologue that we hear so often, and so that just striked me struck me as just is not compatible with my thought that his mind is creating all of this. But it just means that basically I didn't go one layer deeper into the craft and structure of the story, Uh, which I think was really brilliant of 
the gentleman who wrote the novel to to pull that off. You know, because I, I think with one of the things I read, like the novel is the same way. It's in her point of view, in her head, even though I think, you know, she wasn't real. <laughs> so those two don't usually go together in, in this kind of thing that we've seen before. Because, you know, you've seen, you know, it's not, this is not a, original in that you might have like characters all be in somebody's head or you might have. Uh, characters being different people or other people or switching people or the same people. Like that's not, it's not the first time that's been done, but I don't think it's usually done from the point of view of the person who we don't think, uh, who we think of as, is in control. Uh, so I think, I think the, the fact that that choice was made made me really second guess a lot of like my theories on trying to figure it out. Yeah. I really wouldn't, thinking about and going through my analysis i kind of ignored that part i felt that was too hard to get into one thing i will say is i kind of enjoyed that i think it's good to see this outsider perspective on him like we can kind of we have something to like compare jake to i don't know that made me i think that made me understand more so but then i was like wait but why why is she having thoughts that differ from his if she's yeah. in his head. Did you pick up, and I don't think I did at the time, that he was al- it was almost like he could read her mind? I mean, clearly he was... The very first line of the movie, you know, is, is, is a voiceover thought she's having, and he reacts to it as if he heard it. So, like, I did notice that, um, but it didn't... It, it, I didn't make any connections after it and that that was a huge you know a really cool way to begin the movie what i kind of thought i thought it was like it means about being in her head and not in her head but in your own head and the way that it's all in his head but i kind of thought it was that she keeps going back to this inner monologue and she's i thought it was about her being her her head for like the first half of the movie and now he's like uh i'm interrupting your monologue you're being silent for a long time how about you come back to the real world and the reality and to react to that instead of being it all being about you? But that that doesn't seem to be what it was. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I thought as we're, we're taking this long call, right, and again, they're going to his parents' house. It's when we got to the parents' house and the parents were acting so wacky to me, Tony Collette especially, just really acting wacky. And then with Jesse Plemons' character would correct them they would make mistakes either they would use the wrong word or they was would genus and genius yeah mispronounced and he, and he was so irritated with them but it, it came across to me maybe because i had this idea in my head that he was kind of controlling things that like he has the power to control them but they have to, they don't always get it right almost like he built them or like programmed them to be these parents but they weren't doing right, like like we've seen in several other movies and TV shows and books and things like that, to where you know somebody's created their little home for him, and but he seemed like he's really trying to impress her, you know, or get her to come, you know, be comfortable in one of them. Um, I still don't know what to make of the phone calls. I think you the know phone the calls. one explanation thing that I read, like it didn't it didn't mention those, and I kept waiting for it to like please explain this, please explain the phone call. I think the phone calls are him. I think it's the janitor. Like, it's a little... I think the way the music kind of stops and how everything stops for those phone calls. Like, she's not really hearing the phone call. But 
that's him pausing to reflect. But the, he's saying nonsense and gibberish and like code. Like, what does that mean? I have no idea. <laughs> I just think that's. I mean, I, I, I think, think that's him talking to himself. I think. I think since where we came down on this after reading some more about the book and 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 reading an interview with Charlie Kaufman is that, you know, this really is all in his head. Him being the janitor, remembering all of this. No, I don't right. see it as remembering. I see it as this new creation, elements from his entire life that he put into this one story. So I don't see it as a memory of his. I see it as a whole new world he has chosen to live in besides his real life. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if I'm sure I can wrap my head around that. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking that, That's like, part of the joy of the movie, though. He's... um. You know, part of it, actually, while watching this, was expecting to be this, like, quirky rom-com a little bit. Like, I thought we'd, like, be sad and then be uplifting at the end when we see the janitor come home to his wife, and it'll be Jesse Buckley. And I was like, oh, this is so great. This is so happy. Uh, but no, that did not go that direction. Yeah. I, I really want to watch this movie again. Uh, I, I, I don't think your mom will watch it with us. But oh no, she will not. I, I, I definitely I want to see it again with some more knowledge and see what more clues uh, were there, and to see if see if we're on the right track with it. You know, uh, you know it's something very interesting, and I think a lot of my interpretation is it's through the story he's kind of spiting himself a little bit, like having Jesse Buckley's the young woman get mad at him, like just a little. Despite, and how, like, remember how Jake says he doesn't like the basement. And when we go into the basement, we see the janitor's uniform. He's not happy with how his life has gone. Oh, I think you're definitely picking up on something that's there on that. The, and the, the uniforms and, and also because he talks about how he's seen how these kids are treated. Talking about, like, kids that are kind of not in the cool crowd. They're treated poorly or they're, they're ne'er-do-wells and they get out of school, high school. And they just end up with crappy jobs in the city, you know, in the town they live in, living crappy lives all together. And I think he's talking about his own life, right? You know, as well. And I think I like the thing about the going home poem that she is created, but I think it's from something else. Like she isn't actually from her. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a I mean, it's a published poem, right? Uh, but like how the going home, the home in that case is his real life. The vacation is this dream world he has created. His his little personal escape where everything is about him, where he has the perfect girl who's interested in the same things he is. Uh, so that that's how I interpreted that. One thing that But it changes. So just a what she's interested in changes. Like at first she says she's not into poetry at all, and then she's like, you know, then she's reciting this poem that you know she wrote. So it's almost like I mean I don't think you're wrong, but I just think it's multiple women, multiple fantasies, multiple ideas for what he wants to be and who he wants to be with, what type of person even he wants to be with. You know, sometimes a physicist, sometimes a poet, sometimes named Amy, sometimes you know, like that kind of thing. Although it's weird how she's like, at some points it seems aware that something's wrong. How she's like, he called me Ames. That's not my name. 
Yeah, that's like, like that's that's what that's what, crazy. Why do that if it's all in his head? Well, that's the thing. Again, I think that's why it's a B instead of a B plus because a lot of the clues are given are then contradictory and kind of like if it's going to be this, then it should show that. But it kind of goes back and forth. One thing that was still confusing me in the beginning is the abandoned house with the new swing set. Whether they talk yeah, about it at the beginning. So what like, was that all about? I was paying attention. I was think, going back and thinking about that a lot throughout the movie. Because it was like, oh, that's a nice little beginning thing. That's a nice little metaphorical thing. Maybe it's the theme in the movie. Yeah, and what I does have that no mean? What idea what What is, a, what is a rundown abandoned house with a brand new swing set? What is that a metaphor for? And, you know, it's never is it explained. childhood it's never and old again, age? Never mentioned again. Who knows? Yeah, it could be. Could be. It, we don't, there's, there's, too, there's so much in the movie, especially when we look at his room. And there's all the you know the all the media that he's consumed in his lifetime, and then you know obviously the 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 plot the play the Broadway musical Oklahoma you know plays a big deal in this. There's a dance sequence from it. There's like lines from it. There's he's on stage at a high school auditorium, you know where you know where that would have been you know shown, and then they use his room as like part of the set you know for what that would have been like. There's there's so much there. That it's, it's it's not our fault that we didn't get it all and can't figure it out on one view. Again, your it feels like from what we've heard of Charlie Kaufman, they we're not supposed to Ex- never I supposed exactly to be right. like that's it. You're always supposed to be like it's that or that or that. It's that almost, and then that. Yeah. So, so I I enjoyed the ride a lot, and I you know I think we ought to watch it again sometime. Uh, and you know, see what we think. You know, upon a second viewing. Yes, um, we want to talk about what we might be doing next. What our next podcast would be. Uh, go for it. I I would think I think we're seeing Tenet this weekend. Uh, I mean, and I don't we know if we're going to be able well. to do it this weekend. <laughs> uh, yeah. Probably not. Uh, but we're going to be tenant seeing Tenet soon. At some point. At some whenever point, we're going to see Tenet. Yes. And we might be seeing it in a theater, or we might not. Yeah. I shouldn't even brought this segment up. We're not sure about anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we're watching all the Christopher Nolan movies again. So exactly. at that point, we'll, we'll be able to give you a, a ranking of Christopher Nolan movies. Yeah, so at some point soon, I don't know if it'll be our next podcast. It, it probably will be, but we might, you know, if we want to do... Very soon, we're going to have a have a uh, a Christopher Nolan dedicated podcast, and, and we'll talk about the movies that we watched and rank them and... And uh, give our opinion on those, and and we've we've hit a bunch of them so far, and it's been really fun. I really like. I'm glad you thought of that idea. It's been it's been good to do. Yes. All right, anything else we want to mention uh, now? I guess you know we're talking about what are you reading? Yeah, let's do. Uh, what are you reading? Yeah. Um, I'll start. I'm reading uh, Fragile Things by Neil Gaiman. It is a collection of short stories he's written for a whole lot of different things. It's earlier Neil Gaiman, I think. It's. I think at this the time of collecting this, he was writing the graveyard book. Oh, that's cool. Because uh, he, he talks about writing that in the beginning. So, are you liking it? Oh yeah, it's the stories. Some of the, the stories vary a lot. Some of the poetry, I'm not the biggest fan of. I kind of like read the poetry and then be like, all right, we're over that. I can get <laughs> skim, skim, else. skim, skim, skim. Where's another story? Oh yeah, because I I guess I haven't read enough poetry to be really too affected. By poetry, but some of the short stories like hit me hard. There's one about a gargoyle that's really good. There's one about hell that's really good. Mm. 
So it's just like some of the stories are like, that was interesting. Some of the stories I'm like, eh. And some of the stories are like, I want to read that again right. and again. I would like more of that, please. Yeah. I don't remember. I'm fairly sure I read that collection, but I don't remember many of the stories in it. So maybe I didn't read it or maybe it's just been a while back. Uh, I'm reading The Secret History by Donna Tartt. And uh, it's a book I've read before as part of uh, the MFA thing that I'm doing. You pick books, you analyze them, you kind of write a paper on the craft elements of it. So when I first told uh, a friend of mine the idea I have for the project that I'm working on, she said, oh, you should read this. You know, it sounds similar, like not similar in a way that, you know, you shouldn't do yours, but similar in a way that, oh, you might, you know, learn something about what you're doing from reading this one. So I'm reading that for the second time and really liking it uh, even better than I did the first time. I liked the first time a lot, but I didn't love it. I'm kind of loving it now. So that's The Secret History by Donna Tartt. And she wrote and won the Pulitzer for The Goldfinch a few years ago, which I have not read, but Peggy enjoyed. And I didn't see the movie either. But is she? I don't think she has. I don't think she has. But anyway, so yeah, so I think that'll, that'll probably do it for us. Um, feels good to be podcasting again. It does. It feels, feels good. Hopefully, cross our fingers... We'll be able to see Tenet this weekend and not get killed by an infectious disease while doing it. (laughs) Indeed, indeed, indeed. So, well, thank you for listening, as always, to the Owls on Culture podcast. Um, Feel free to go to pineconeturkey.com and sign up for the Flock email. That's uh, Pinecone Turkey's email that tells you everything that's going on in the universe of Pinecone Turkey, including the Owls on Culture podcast as well as samplings of, uh, of art that we've found along the way in the previous month. So head to pinecoturkey.com, and thank you for listening to the podcast. Until we meet again. Adios. Thank you for listening to the Owls on Culture podcast. Our theme music was recorded and assembled by Marine Cerzier and Antoine Villar. The show is produced by Pinecone Turkey. To learn more about Pinecone Turkey, visit pineconeturkey.com, where you can read the latest blog posts from the Owls on Culture hosts and sign up for the Flock email, a twice a month newsletter that delivers a short film, poetry, a short story, and visual art right to your inbox. It's your monthly dose of art curated by Pinecone Turkey. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening.